Welcome to Green Leather Sofa, the podcast. I'm your host, Ty, and along with my friend, Brandon, each week we take a look at our favorite Black TV shows and movies and ruin them. We'll look at the sociological factors that led your favorite characters to be good, bad, or ugly. Now, let's hop into this episode. Uh, I, um... I'm literally going off of two hours sleep at this point. Oh my gosh. Like dead honest truth. For whatever reason, at 3.34 a.m. this morning, I decided to turn on the movie that you've been trying to get me to watch for weeks now. Yes, I have. And it's a two hour fucking movie. It is. It's a Spike Lee joint, so it is. It's a Spike Lee epic. It's it's. That's what they call like long extended stories in literature. But don't literature. all of his movies feel longer? They're, like I looked up the runtime for this movie, and I always thought that this movie was like two and a half, three hours. Oh my god! It's, it was like Titanic. <laughs> it feel, yeah, Spike Lee movies feel like that. I know watching um, School Days feels like this for me too. Jesus. I, and guess what? I was awake the whole time. You ever see? Uh-huh. You ever see those old uh, cartoons with like? I, I guess it was like Tom and Jerry, and he had to keep his eyes open. He had little toothpicks keeping his eyelids open. Yeah, that, that was me. I was just like, I was locked in. I was trying to figure it out. Um. But I finally watched Crooklyn. And I thought that I had seen it before and maybe forgot about it. No, I've never seen that movie before. Wow. And there were parts that triggered me heavily. But overall, this movie angered me. Anger, that's a strong word. It infuriated me. It 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 sent my blood boiling. The reason I stayed up the whole time until 5.27 a.m. watching this was because I was so angry. So angry. Uh-huh. It it felt like children of the fucking corn. It was Wait, like a movie. What? Listen, it was like movie. It was a movie full of kids everywhere, screaming, yelling, <laughs> bickering, fighting, running, jumping, like stinking up the place. This. Let me ask you this. Yes. How many kids did you grow up with in your household? One other kid. One other kid? One. I feel like that's why. <laughs> and, and she almost doesn't count sometimes. <laughs> no, I feel that I feel like that's why. Because even though growing up it was just my sister and me, uh-huh. um, at points in my life I always had cousins around oh no no yeah i mean that's different yeah but no like in the same house the same house oh well, like living yeah because um at one point of my life we lived um at my grandma's house and it sounds like you know we would all be in like tight quarters but her house isn't like that yeah it's actually a multi-family house so all of us were in the same house and my cousins were around the same as if we were all siblings. So I always had little kids around. It was madness. And being, you know, new to this parenthood thing myself, I can't imagine 
that constant noise. There was like this this whole movie was like it felt like there were 200 kids and like four adults throughout the whole movie. Like it was it was literally it, they were running around like rats outside on the block. Too, yes. Right? Oh man. There were barely any any adults out there watching these kids. These kids and that's why, you know, yeah, I, I have a different take because this movie this movie is very much huh? No, I was just about to say that. It it literally reminds me of what you talked about when we were um discussing um another movie where you know kids were just like left on their own up in new york and like everyone like kind of exactly. like steps in and watches everybody's kids and stuff like that you know they were able to discipline each other's kids they were like you know you know there's there's points in which if you see a kid messing up you could spank him and exactly. send him home you know exactly what i was gonna say right and and you know even though this movie is supposed to take place in the 70s it was filmed in the 90s right i guarantee you these kids, because I believe a lot of them were actually from New York, listening mm -hmm. to the oh, accents yeah, and things. Yeah. Yeah. So I guarantee you that these kids did not have to be coached in how to play those games that they were playing in the opening mm -hmm. montage. Because I know I lived in pre-gentrified Harlem growing up. Yeah. And I know that I was playing all of those games as a kid. Mm -hmm. Every last one of them. I think the only thing I didn't see kids playing when I was growing that up is that Stratomatic. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was playing no Stratomatic when I was growing up. But everything else in that movie, kids were playing. And very much, um, it was very much the same type of community. And I'm like, a New York City childhood is a New York City childhood, whether it's Brooklyn, Harlem, the Bronx, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's super relatable. And this, this honestly, because I've had growing up here in South Florida, I've I've had a long-standing um, stereotype about New York people, and this ticked every like check everything on my checklist about New, New growing up in New York. People screaming down from like you know the building, people chilling on the stoop, people like grown men like you know assaulting five-year-olds for their money like it's it, it, everything i think about new york was definitely in this movie because that's i mean that time frame i'm not i'm not old enough to remember the 70s or anything like that but i know in the 90s it was very much still like that yeah of course the i think if it was made in the 90s the conversation around drugs would be a whole different thing Oh, yeah, they wouldn't be just huffing stuff out of a paper bag. No, They'd be no. shooting up. <laughs> and you would you would actually see drug dealers and stuff like that. So it and would I, be different in that regard. And I'm surprised we didn't see that, to be honest. In the 70s, seeing the drug dealers and stuff? At least marijuana, weed, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it really had a place in the movie right. from what we could see. But, I mean just how the kids were i think that like someone outside. like the dad like i was waiting i was kind of waiting for the dad woody i was waiting for him to kind of reveal that he had some kind of uh you know drug drug use going on because someone like him that can't escape to create sometimes needs to you know like enhance his creative state with drugs or something like that and that would also you know um that would also tie into the fact that he's always bad with money and you know what I was thinking about this movie and yes, there were some traumatic points in there, right? Some things that the kids might have to get through when they grow up. 
But for the most part, I thought that their, you know, their household was a really good household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really, I really think so. Compared to some of the other movies we watch, where the parents really, really screw up their kids, I think that their household was a really good one. And the only thing that really surprised me was how um, Carolyn handled Troy lying to her. Yeah, I think she over-exaggerated. I think that it was, it might've been shock. Who knows if this was the first time she lied to her mom or what, but- You're talking about about the tickets, right? Yes, Okay. because she she knew that Troy lied. That, That look on her face just said, this chick is lying to me. But, but it surprised me because I, I just think that other exchanges with other parents would have gone a completely different way. Mm. But, oh man, when I tell you this movie, this movie is one of my favorite Spike Lee movies because it's so relatable. Oh, I was just about to say that about you. I felt like I was watching a little you running around this damn movie. And I felt like I I see elements of you in, in uh, Carolyn too. I think that's fair. And I think that as a teacher, I'm more like Carolyn than as a parent. Right. Yeah. Cause you still have to come home, do your lesson plans, you know, plan Ooh, 50, 11 things. And then, you know, still put food on the table, still, you know, keep up with your own kids man, and then deal oh, with, you yes. know, dozens of other kids. <laughs> Who are you telling? And I mean, just watching this movie as an adult, and I've seen it a few times as an adult now, but I guess a lot of this movie hits home for me without going into too much detail. Mm -hmm. A lot of it hits home for me. So watching it now is just like, wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. And I'll I'll, I'll say this. I did feel um, I had a very triggering moment myself in this movie. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah, I almost spit my damn uh rum out, man. I was so angry. We'll 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 get we'll get to what I'm talking about a little later. Oh oh, I forgot. We have to talk about the food. We do. The food played a very big part in this film, but it also brings us to closure of our soul food debate. Yes, because. As you know, I have a problem with a lot of the food that we champion in our community, right? He's talking about black food, y'all. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm calling a spade a spade. But um, we, we're going to bring that to a close. Uh, we'll, we'll get through the movie first because I don't want to I don't want to sully the, the momentum that we have talking about the actual movie. And I know it could be a long winded, you know. Uh, a response from me because I feel strongly about you know some of the stuff that y'all put in your bodies and then y'all are putting that out into society in you know many forms of aggression and and you know murder and you know all types of things all that food makes you angry so we'll get into that later but for now let's start with the beginning of Crooklyn and what it what you felt how it started because I loved how it started I loved like it, it, it gave it an extended like I think the like the first ten minutes, it was just nothing but kids playing and being like being kids. <laughs> I just love yes. that. And you know, it's something that we don't get to see that often because these kids don't go outside and play the way that we used to coming up. Yeah. Right. 
But I have to say the opening montage of Crooklyn is way up there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, top, I don't even know if it's top 10. It might be top five movie openings. And I promise you, you play that song, People Make the World Go Around, around some black people, and it's coming from a TV, I guarantee you they're going to think that Crooklyn is about to start. Like, mm. people know that that song means Crooklyn is coming on. <laughs> it's just magical. It's nostalgic. And then even, even as an 80s baby, there's false nostalgia watching the opening. Like, I didn't grow up in the 70s, but there's so much that, you know, just brings those feels back. And like I said, we were still playing those games in the 90s. Oh, yeah. You know what? And it's, you know what I felt watching that opening? And it may, it may come across as like, it may come across wrong, but I promise it doesn't, it's not wrong in my head. (laughs) But the way I felt watching Crooklyn start, you you know like those that environment 1973 Bed-Stuy Brooklyn New York that is across the world and you know different parts of Africa where you have a tight knit you know uh community little kids wearing those same clothes playing those same games unfortunately but having those same vibes playful you know everyone just like all these kids just running around like that's still alive today in 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know what, what, you know, footage you have to look at. I don't know if you have to, you know, you, you got to look at some, um, um, what are the Nollywood? That's what they call, uh, like the Nigerian movies or, you know, yeah. if you have to watch some of those, but that's alive and well. And, and that, that the way that little black kids get together and they play in almost harmony, even, even the, like the bullies, everything is harmonious right and and you know watching all of this like it just oozed of you know pre-adolescence i don't i don't know like to me it was just so um it it, it was so delightful to watch because you know we're, we're so used to horrible things happening in kids in movies and you know they they, they almost can't do without tragedy even though tragedy does happen in this right. movie but I mean, the kids were still kids, is what I'm saying. Yeah, you compare it to another coming of age story like Fresh, and you think about what he witnessed exactly. in that movie. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, Troy and her brothers, they didn't really deal with anything like that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, tragedy did hit their family, but it it just wasn't the same. Yeah, it was like their mom was sick. It wasn't like somebody did something to her to make her die. She was sick. Right. Do you, I kind of wanted to ask, do you feel like the stress that she was under financially exacerbated her symptoms? You know, I don't feel comfortable speaking on that because I, uh, I'm not a medical doctor, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I think that all of those things that we saw and the things that she was arguing about, it was a bit of foreshadowing in a way. Mm. Um, because she got the family to where it needed to be mm-hmm. in order to 
move on after she passed away. But at the end of the movie, I was still thinking like, well, Woody doesn't have a real job. So what's he going to do? That was the number one thing I was thinking about. Because I'm like, yo, now this dude has, what, five kids? Five kids, no job. No job. And I think he's the landlord of that building. Can we just pause here for a second? Because I'm like, your lights went out and you're renting out an apartment upstairs? What the heck? Yo, that shit, like, I I felt Vic on that. When he Mm -hmm. came in with that chick, and that chick was fine. And dude is like handing him candles like hey man what's going on yeah um yeah so the lights are you know the lights are out so he's like all right just go uh flip the breaker nah i mean they out out okay well they'll you know turn them on on then shit you know i don't i don't need a candle bro i I paid you and and my girl gave your 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 wife food stamps on top of my payment like, don't know. I don't want to hear it. I got a woman over and I ain't got no lights. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. And you saw how her nope. energy changed because yes. she thought like he did the thing with the candles. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Yo, I was heated for him. Me too. Me too. You tell me utilities are included. And then I come home and then you're, you're saying that they're not going to be back on for days. But like even when um, Girl. even when she was like uh, trying to wake all the kids up because she wanted them to do the dishes and they refused. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, this is a big ass house. Like she went down like about four flights of stairs. Like What's going yeah. on? Like I, I was trying to figure out like what is the real configure, you know, um, configuration of their home? It was a little bit confusing because, I, like I said, my grandmother's house um, was multifamily mm-hmm. or is multifamily, but um, it wasn't like that. It was like her house was on one side mm-hmm. and then there were stairs to the other apartments. So she had access. Mm. Like you could get to the second floor from being in the area where she lived in the basement too. But the other apartments don't have access to where she lived. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's it's weird. My aunt's house is, it makes sense. She has a multifamily house too. And it's a lot easier to understand how, <laughs> how that's configured. Um, okay. Well, since we're on money. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll get into my first triggering topic. The way that Carolyn kind of her reaction to the uh, bounce checks justified but not handled correctly. I think that he was performing a very stupid and a very redundant um, I don't want to call it a mistake, but maybe like a mishap, misjudgment in terms of dealing with their finances all the time. He's constantly making the same error and writing bounced checks. And she was simply saying, okay, just don't do it. Or let me know before you write a check so I can make sure that the funds are there. Mm-hmm. And he he has this, this, um, this tendency to dismiss anything that is not positive as negative. 
especially when he's in his creative zone, he feels like, you know, he's being attacked. And he was, but she didn't let it go. Even when he acknowledged it, even when he said, okay, I'll do better. Why did she have to have the last word? Well, without getting too much into detail of my personal life, because this is way too triggering to bring up on the podcast. Trust me, it is. Because I feel you. But but I've been in a situation like being being in a relationship or being married to a creative is not made for everybody. It is not. <laughs> because there's this weird balance of trying to be supportive, but also you have to be you have to be the one to put your foot down and say, but we still need to live. So I want to support your art and everything that you're doing, but it's not really bringing in the money, but it's taking up a lot of your time. I need you to do more things that are bringing in money because all Brandon had a mishap. (laughs) Oh man. One of these days we're going to go on video so you can start seeing these little mishaps when they happen. But back to what I was saying. Um, Shut up, man. <laughs> I spilled my drink, man. God damn. <laughs> so back to what I was saying, though, um, you're in these relationships and it is, you try to be patient and you try to not say anything because you don't want to come off as unsupportive. And then sometimes something as seemingly small as a you know so-called mistake can set you off. Because you're just like, you know how hard you're working and you know all of the things that you have to manage in order to keep your family's head above water. And then, you know, you say something and it seems like the person you're talking to is being super nonchalant about something that's small but important. Mm -hmm. Listen, she I think that she was still taking it pretty easy on him. You think she was taking it easy on him? I think so. And I think that the the argument escalated. Like, as far as kicking him out, I think he brought that on himself. He should have just kept his mouth closed. Oh, oh, okay. I want to make sure. Okay. We watched watched Spike Lee's Crooklyn, right? Yes. Listen, they they got into a huge, they got into a huge argument. Mm -hmm. And then they took that energy to their kids. No. He didn't. She did. Okay, she did. Right. But then, but then she set a boundary. She said, "Don't touch me. Don't touch me." He kept trying to touch her. He was trying to separate her from his son. Doesn't matter. She asked him not to touch her. Oh shit! Yeah. All right. This is okay. Let's expand this. Okay. Here. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying, she's already upset with you, and she asked you not to touch her. You didn't necessarily have to touch her to separate her from the sun. Get the sun to go away. Okay. Well, one one thing, one thing's for sure. Because if, if this was the other way around, right? If if he was the hothead and he ran up there and was screaming at Troy, right? She would get and in between screaming, but she said she said turn the TV off. She did multiple times. 
And that little buckhead look, that little nigga is ugly. I don't care what anyone says. Don't uh, speak ill of right, the right, bed, right, Brandon. Right. Oh, he's, he's gone? Yes. Oh. And he died as a kid. No. <laughs> yeah, he did. He was, um, he was sick. Oh, shit. Uh, that beautiful little boy. He has such fire and passion. I mean, he played that role w w wonderfully. And, um, You're terrible. You're terrible. <laughs> You are terrible. Uh, okay, all right. Listen, <laughs> but no. Um, he listen. He that little boy. He he was. I've never talked. I can't imagine ever talking to my parents the way he was talking the whole film. Yeah, yeah. And he got he away with murder. He got away with murder. But what I'm saying is, I'm not. I'm not about to let the other parent that I'm arguing with about money now take that energy run upstairs and start getting in my son's face. Right. But in that, okay. So in that situation though, Clinton was wrong as two left shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Woody should have said, look, your mom is already not in the mood. He's super soft on his kids. Chill she, out. she was forced to be the authoritarian. Yes. He gets to be the good guy. She always has to Ex be the bad guy. Right. I fully understand. And that's frustrating by itself. Because but that was she... an opportunity for him to have her back, though. Right. No, it was an I'm opportunity not, for her. I am not arguing that. This is all this is all very valid. And you are absolutely right. But I'm not going to let you. She said something about knocking him through the wall and stuff like we all say it. We all do. My and parents said it to me. I don't even put my hands on my kids, but I tell them, yeah. I tell them like, I'll knock you into next week. And they know that I don't mean it. <laughs> See, I got a little bit of time left, man. I can, <laughs> I can, I can still pull that shit off and, and they'll be like, oh my God, next week. <laughs> what about school? Like, nah, forget that. <laughs> but, um, honestly, like it, it was just such a heated moment and everything happened so fast. She looked like she was charging at him, and I understand. He was just holding her. He wasn't pushing her. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. He was just holding her back. And then she's like, "Don't touch me! Don't touch me!" You know how Alfie Woodard but does he, it. But he knew why she didn't want him to touch her. That's what I'm saying. Because she was still mad about the money. It had nothing to do about. It, it had very little to do about Clinton because Clinton had been. Li listen, Clinton had been bitching her around the whole film. The whole film. <laughs> In that moment, I think she was mad at everybody. Everybody always has their hand out. Anyone could get She's... it. Yeah, basically. Basically. And the fact that she couldn't pull that shit off with Woody, she was going to take it out on the kids. So, yes, as mad as she was about the money, nah, she could have gone. Okay, Clinton Clinton was mouthing off way, way, way too much. And she, I think when she first went up there, she was still pretty calm until he started being super disrespectful. No, you're absolutely right. But what I'm saying is the the amount of anger and resentment, because now the resentment and the anger are mixing with that conversation they had downstairs. She was mad about the check, but she's even more mad about the fact that he's nonchalant about it. She's resentful for the fact that she's in this position. She's recalling that she's doing all this stuff at work. She's back to working full time when she didn't want to be and she wasn't supposed to be. He doesn't seem to have a solution. Things are not getting better. Right. And this is on the this is the precipice of them losing their lights. 
she doesn't even know that part yet. I can't. I can only imagine if they got a final notice in that same bundle of of of, of bills that said your lights are gonna get shut off in two days. You can only mm-hmm. imagine. So she had all of that built up, and she turned into the Hulk, and she took her little <laughs> beaded head ass upstairs, and she was getting ready to throw down. And it, 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 if it had to be Clinton and 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 Butterball and and uh, broken arm. And- Let's pause real quick. Because you know that this movie takes place during summer, right? Right. Clinton is in summer school. So you mean to tell me you you are in summer school because you didn't do what you needed to do during the school year. Yeah, he still gets to and go then, to the game. Huh? Yeah, he still gets to go to the game. Yeah, he still gets to go to the game. And you mean to tell me you're upstairs watching TV on a school night. I asked you to turn this TV off and you're mouthing off at me. I'm going to come upstairs and I'm going to knock you into next week too. Listen. Listen, you almost saw me do it before we turned on the mics. I said, be quiet. And I heard, well, we don't want to. I, I shot up out of this chair. I did. I I feel it. When kids talk back to you, it's a different type of feeling you get in your body. Because it's like, you don't even know how you just fucked up. And, you know, I I am like into gentle parenting and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. because... You know, my kids, my kids are black kids and they understand colloquialisms and all of that. And they know that I'm not going to do physical harm to them when I use these sayings. But I still say them because I'm a black mother. Right. Y'all, y'all real creative with y'all beatings, man. You said beatings. <laughs> well, like with whatever your threats. I mean, no, I mean, my my boys are still little, mm-hmm. but, you know, I say little things to them and. I know that my boys know. Like, if I thought for a second that they thought I was actually going to put my hands on them, I wouldn't say it. (laughs) I wouldn't. Because I don't want them to fear me like that. Like, I want them to have mutual respect. Yeah. But I don't want them to do it out of fear. I want them to do it out of, Respect always trumps fear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my mom cares about me enough, and I know that she wants me to be safe or, you know, to be the best that I can be. So I'm going to listen to what she has to say. Rather than I don't want my mom to hit me, but in the (laughs) seventies, yeah, this was not the case. This was not the case at all. Your your parents say they're gonna knock you into next week, and they will sure as hell try. And like like we said earlier, even the neighbor could say I'm gonna knock you into next week, and that shit was fair game. But what I'm saying is this: it just made me think about where do you think Clinton's disrespect came from for his mom because he had it from the jump even when she was trying to get him to do dishes and stuff he was mouthing off talking back to her face and then he was like man that's why you know having a dad is more important than having a mom or something like that he said something like that and i'm like it came from witty not having her back with the kids that's where it came how important it is do you see how important it is trust me when i tell you i know like when you're married, especially when you, you have, have kids, to be a y'all team. have to be on the same team. And and that's same one team. thing. That's one thing. Honestly, um, I had the privilege of growing up seeing um, when I was a kid and hearing my dad always say, ask your mom. I always thought it was stupid. Now I understand because it's like you're not going to you're not going to pivot me against your mom. And you're not going to try to, you're not going to get a no from her and a yes from me. That's not going to happen. Um, 
I'm fully like, you got to collaborate. You got to collaborate because especially if you're not with the mom or on the same accord, these little rascals will manipulate every situation they can. I know what opening and man. Oh, oh, well, dad said I didn't have to do this. Mom said that I could wear this. Dad said that I can go here. Oh, no. I'm talking to your mama. <laughs> You're not pulling exactly. none of this on me. No. Exactly. Anytime my boys say something, I check in with their dad mm-hmm. and make sure. And I know my little one, he's four. <laughs> no, I overheard him one time talking to his older brother. And the, the older one says, no, we're going to get put in timeout if we do this. And the plotting. little one, the little one says, no, we're not going to be in timeout. When mommy says you're going to be in timeout, you just have to cry like this. It was telling him how to cry. I'm just, I overheard him put his little butt right in no. timeout. <laughs> Why are the little ones always so maniacal, man? Like they got, they got, like they are born with the schematics. And I'm just listening to him because he doesn't realize that I'm standing there. <laughs> I can see him turn around with your face looking guilty. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Looking at me with my face. <laughs> it's crazy. That's hilarious. So, I mean, back to what I was saying, though, about like Woody asking to get kicked out because in that moment, yes, she was upset about so many things at this point. By the time they're on the stairs, she's so upset about things. And you choose then, you shut everybody up to yell at her for not supporting your art that doesn't bring any money into the household. I would have told him to go call Tyrone too. I truly would have. Like, Negro, do you know that you live here without having to pay for anything? Hmm. I'll I'll tell you this scene gave me like real acrimony vibes where he has a dream that for all intents and purposes could have really this next concert could have been the one. You know? When you're when you're in a creative space where anything you do, even this, what we're doing right now, at any given time. It could start. It could start the. Um, it, it could start the path that we're, we were we're aiming for, that we're fighting for, where we just shoot off, right? Any any one of these episodes can do it. You know, it's hard to turn that hope, belief, dream off when you trigger it with your creative drive, and you keep putting out work. You keep you know aiming for the next spot aiming for the next show, aiming for the next concert. There could be a scout. There could be a A&R. There could be a, you know, a record exec. There could be a Diddy. There could be a Quincy Jones out there. That just Let me ask you this. Okay. Have you quit your day job yet? Hell no. (laughs) I I haven't either. Neither did Cavi from Brown Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's where he's wrong. And that's, that's exactly where Buddy was wrong in Acrimony. Like, there's a difference between, well, I mean, he was like a a landlord, too, or whatever. But I'm not, listen, I hate working. But 
until I can I can literally lose money going to work, I'm going to work. And that's because I have too much tied up into it from working for so long for me to just put it all into myself. Sometimes you have to have, um, I don't want to pivot too much, but this is a perfect illustration. Um, Columbus, your boy, he set out to find different lands. And before he came to America, he was in the West Indies. Small, small island. I don't remember the name of it. And it may not even be true. But what he found was that when they got to, you know, shore, they docked all the ships. It was about three or four of them. And they were just there to explore the island, take everything they could, take it back to the boats and head home. The soldiers were like, they were chilling. They thought it was like vacation time. This was the West Indies. It was beautiful weather, beautiful land. And they felt like they didn't have to do anything. What he did was he went ahead and he burned all the ships. And he said, this is your home now. You're going to have to do what you have to do now to make this home. Because you're not going back to Spain. And immediately those guys, they got, to, they got together and they built. They just kept building. They just kept building, stealing, pillaging, whatever they had to do. But they had to get their minds right. So with Woody... Honestly, he has a lot to like fall back on with his wife. He's not as desperate. He's not the desperate starving artist. The starving artists of his time, they had nothing. They had no backup plan. They had probably, you know, no lights. Living no in nothing. hostels, right, eating ramen noodles. Right, right. They didn't have they didn't have all that food on that plate that could feed five freaking kids. Three of them, you know, older boys that could really eat. Like, they didn't have that shit. So he was like, honestly, he was cushioned. And and part of, you know, she kind of created the monster that she hates, is what I'm saying. Because she provided yeah. she provided enough cushion for him to, f- you know, feed into his own dreams. Too much. Because he wasn't working as hard as her. I don't believe in, you know, a wife working harder than, than, the, um, than the husband. And here's the thing that pissed me off, too. Understanding that she's a teacher yeah, and she worked all school year doing all the stuff she said, like lesson plans, grading papers and stuff on her free time. She earned her summer vacation and she still had to teach summer school. She didn't have the option to not teach summer school. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's home. Yeah. He's home being the fun dad. Mm-hmm. How do you think about her... Um her patience level with her own kids given her occupation I think that her patience was pretty high but I also think that being a teacher makes your patience with people in general higher okay I think at least for me it allows me to understand many different reasons why people respond the way they do Mm -hmm. Um, and it just causes me to be more compassionate in dealing with people Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, and I never noticed watching this movie before, but I'm like, she had some little teacher swag in her house. Like, I noticed, like, a little sign or something mm-hmm. that said teachers have class. 
I was like, now I want a teacher's half class sign in my classroom. <laughs> a little double entendre, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about Troy? We sure can. Troy the boy. Troy the boy. <laughs> That's so jacked up, man. Just because mm-hmm. she was skinny as a string bean, but um. And I mean, she has a she got a boy's name, I guess. That too. It, I that it was, was short a little bit weird to me. Cause I I know that if I had a whole bunch of boys and then I finally get a girl, you know she's that could have been. like a feminine name. Maybe that's why. Maybe they were so used to having boys, they didn't even think of a girl's name. Like maybe they didn't. You know, I, I'm sure they didn't know the sex of the child until she was born. Yeah. So we know that the story for this movie was written by Jolie, right? Mm-hmm. But she didn't always pronounce her name like that. Um, when her mom gave her her name or her parents gave this her, is her Spike name. Spike Lee's sister, by the way. Yes, Spike Lee's sister. Um, it was pronounced Joey, and she changed the pronunciation when she became of age. Smart. So she definitely had a boy's name, and the character Troy is kind of based around her actual life. Yeah. And she only has one one child under her, right? Is the is the littlest one. I believe that's the birth order. I think okay. Nate is still older than her. But they're close in age. They're very close in age, except for Clinton. Clinton seems to be like, I want to say he's like 13 or 14. And then the rest are like maybe like 11, 10, 9, you know, and then yeah. 6 or something like that. Um, hmm. Here's my thing. Um, because these kids, they, there was a dynamic array of like, you, you know how we do. We look at these kids and we try to see like, oh, did they do a good job casting? I thought they had a bunch of adopted kids. I thought they had a bunch of like random kids from the street. Like, I didn't know what to expect. I think they had some best man holiday kids. Yes. Like, I felt like. like I didn't think so. I felt like the first dinner scene, like I, th- I knew that Troy and her little brother were, you know, um, were brother and sister or supposed to be. But then the others, I was like, "Uh oh." I was like, "Uh oh." I don't know. I don't know where they all fit in because they all look so different. But I'm gonna let you. But take I think it when you have, I think when you have a family with more than a few kids, that sometimes the the genes from the grandparents, the great grandparents, kick in. So even with two dark skinned parents, sometimes you end up having maybe a light-skinned kid i know a couple families like that you're just like hmm where this where this other kid come from um i actually know somebody and two of her two of her kids are her complexion have her hair texture and the other one you know he's a he's a little bit darker and he has a tighter curl pattern on his hair um, but they're all siblings, all with the same parents. So sometimes you just you just get some kids who look a little bit different, but they're still the parents' kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you didn't know, fun fact, if you didn't know, um, the one who plays Nate is actually Chris from Sesame Street. And he's also the twin brother of Christy Knowings from All That. Um, no, we didn't know that. Um, I, I was, feel like other people knew that. <laughs> okay, we'll see. 
<laughs> um, no, here's the funny thing because I was you're talking about the boy with the cast. Yes. I was looking at him and I was like, he looks like a younger version of someone that like you know who I thought he was? I thought he was the Black Ranger. He kind of looks like him. Mm-mm. No, Chris was on Tyena back in the day too. Then I think about it. The Nickelodeon show. Yeah. Hmm. And I feel like most people recognize his sister if you saw a picture. I see no I call her Bar- uh, Boricua uh, Moesha. Because it kind of had that vibe. Taina. Boricua Moesha? Oh, on Taina. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, his sister, his sister was like the black girl that I think most of us think of when we think of all that. And yes, we we had Angelique oh, that's a, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, huh? I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Angelique then. Yeah, we had Angelique who was on the first season, but most people our age would probably think of Christy when you say the black girl from all that. Mm. I gotta yeah. rewatch it, man. It's, it's been too long, yo. Yes, please <laughs> do. But yeah, he was in there. Um, Besides him and Troy, I who's played by Zelda Harris, um, I don't think I've seen any of the other kids anywhere else. Like I said, the guy who played Clinton actually passed away pretty young. Rest, but rest I've never peace. seen... I'm sorry? Rest in peace. I haven't seen uh, the guy who plays Wendell or the guy who played Little Joe in anything else. Here's the thing. Um, approximately 5.45 a.m., I started looking up these people and where they are at now. And you didn't know that that guy passed away? I didn't look for him. I, I was triggered by his character. I really did not like his character at all. I felt like he was just horrible. I did not like his character. I didn't. But I think that I think that it was authentic, like authentic sibling banter. It was 100%. Like, honestly... I don't even think these kids were acting. I don't think they read a script. I think right. they were just like, yo, just be kids. And they were like, all right, fine, fine. We're going to fight. And and that's what it was. This movie, the exchanges in this movie were so authentic and not just in uh, Troy's household, but when she went down south too, and she was with the, the bougie family, I'm like, such, that is super authentic Such too. authentic, you know, um, uh, very authentic awkwardness cringiness yo the most cringy moment i've ever seen oh with the dog no not oh, just something that else? when oh, man. when troy was driving off with the uncle and then um viola was running after her trying to say bye and she like she had the ugliest run like she was just like and she kept waving and troy was just looking at her waving oh. Like Wait, I'm gonna miss you, but I miss I miss home more. Yeah, no, honestly, that was the most. That honestly, it it was after five a.m. and I was like, yo, this is the cringiest, <laughs> cringiest shit I've ever seen in my life. No, okay, so we we have to talk about this because I know people who thought that something was going on with their VCRs once the cinematography shifts when Troy gets down south. Okay. I know people who did not realize that that was intentional. They really thought something was up with their VCRs back in the day. But I think that Spike Lee wanted us to feel as uncomfortable as Troy felt in that moment. Okay. Which is which is why the cinematography switches and it just it just doesn't feel right, so it makes you uncomfortable. The way they zoomed into like the pastors' faces when they're talking and stuff like that or yeah. singing on TV. 
Yeah. And uh, listen, all right. So even though I grew up in Harlem, right? Mm -hmm. My mom's paternal side of her family lived where I live now. So that's the DC Prince George's County area. And that accent from the movie, the one that Aunt Song has, it made me think about all of my mom's auntie and uncles who lived down here at the time and how they spoke. Because I used to have those same thoughts that Troy had. Why does everyone speak so slow? Why does everybody have that little Maryland uh, drawl? It, it, ugh. Ugh. And I, I really don't like the accent in Prince George's County. I don't hate it as much as I hate the Baltimore accent, but I, I really can't stand it. The Baltimore accent is the worst accent. Oh, it's the worst accent. The worst accent. <laughs> it's bad. And, you know, Brandon knows one of my friends from high school, too. And we'll be quick to tell you, we went to school in the county. We don't speak like that. <laughs> oh, man. I can't, you know, like, I'm pretty good at, like, even somewhat like um mimicking different I, I cannot even touch baltimore baltimore is just nasty. you don't want to it's you nasty. don't want to and low-key my sister because i don't know that she's going to listen to these my sister low key has a baltimore accent she has a baltimore accent low-key oh no low-key like it's very faint it's very faint now you got to send her but this episode so that she knows that she it's to... there when it's there when she says certain words like to now... do mu. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She doesn't say those. Okay. <laughs> but you know, just other things pronouncing. But my sister's also been in Maryland since she was a second grade. Oh no. We got to save those kids, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my brother, on the other hand, he he straight up sounds like he was raised here because for the most part he was. Mm. But no, that that Prince George's County accent, I really can't do it either. But it's not as bad as Baltimore. And on song, I'm just like, oh my gosh, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know, you know, the funny thing is, like, I was so triggered by her, um, her character, because, you know someone by extension of you know one of the little ones is her to a t and i hate it this oh, man. fake you know this fake overbearing christian bullshit you know the most evil people be hiding the most in spirituality sometimes oh my god i hate it hate it hate it hate it hate it hate it but how old is um by the way, how old is uh, Viola supposed to be? I thought she was supposed to be about fourteen. She looked she looked uh, significantly older than Zelda. Yeah, I think I'm, she's not Zelda, be... but Troy. Zelda plays but, Troy. But the other part is that Troy's supposed to be playing nine, almost nine, ten, going into ten. But Zelda at the time, I believe, was eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was born so the same was... year as me. Actually, she was born eighty five. So she was yeah. She was playing an older kid right but okay brandon i i really wish that you would have seen this movie when you were a kid so that the inside jokes and stuff i feel like you would get them and you would relish in this episode a little bit more the way that i am because we can't even talk about that that scene with queenie dying i oh, feel that like was hilarious. every 
I feel like every millennial kid quotes lines from this particular <laughs> scene at random for no reason. Every time that I'm cleaning up my living room, even if I'm talking to my sons, I'll say, Viola, help them with the pillars. <laughs> Every single time. I, I just don't know how she, like, what led her to that that sofa or that fold-out. It was a sleepover, and she's she's making the bed for them to sleep in. But, okay, so did they kill the dog or did the dog get stuck there? That's what I want to know. There, there are theories. So some people think that Troy did it. Some people I think, think it was Viola. Viola did it. Yeah, Viola. I think yeah. she did it. Yeah. Because I'm like, if any time, any time he saw the dog in that movie and the dog was not on song, that dog was with her. Mm-hmm. And for nobody to notice, I think Viola did it. Well, you know what? You know, she she showed me in her very small, you know, um, screen presence she detested living there because of aunt song she didn't care too much for uh clem uncle clem but she hated that woman and it's because of that yeah. overbearing religious bullshit that she was trying to like she was overbearing her. and then you have a child who's probably hitting puberty or already hit puberty mm -hmm. and you're dealing with all of the usual teenage angst mm -hmm. but then to have an overbearing parent right who who kind of gaslights you, um, who doesn't really let you make your own decisions about anything. It's Ooh. a lot. Can we talk about what the hell she did to that girl's hair? Because I'm telling yes, you, can. if you if you send if if you send your child to be with someone for the summer and they come back with permed hair, that's it. Yeah, I don't think that she permed it. I think she just um, pressed it out. But I'm just like, but isn't that granted, damaging? That's like heat damage, right? Yes, yes. And granted, granted, um, it's the '70s and times were a bit different. And some of the ideas that we have about hair today weren't exactly, you know, adopted back then. But I know that if I put braids, beads, shells, and things in my kid's hair in preparation to go down south, that's supposed to last. There's no real need for you to touch my kid's hair. You know, I put these braids in, and braids are really, you know, a good summer style for kids. So if yeah. you send my kid back to me, you took their hair out and then put heat in it, oh, we, got, we have problems. And I'm pretty sure that if, um, if Carolyn wasn't sick, She'd be like, who told you to do this to my daughter's hair? Oh, if Carolyn wasn't sick, she probably would have been right back down there. They would have piled up that Ghostbusters station wagon and driven right back down there. And she would have handled it. Hands down. Because, listen, look at her hair. And let me tell you something. Carolyn, I, that is the ugliest. I hated that hairstyle. But it was in back then. Like, if you look at... If you look at Patrice Russian's album covers, and you'll see the same type of braids yes, and beats. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm thankful, thankful that did not last too long. But I think, I think that they're pretty though. I really do. It looks very tedious to do and to that take looks, out. That looks worse than micro braids, yo. They're basically micro braids with beats. 
with tiny beads. That had to have been a 12 hour job. And I don't know hair. I'm hoping that it was a wig for the movie. <laughs> Not the way them things was shaking when she was mad. <laughs> the, they, they were like, it, it almost looked like she had four beads per strand of hair. Those things were tiny, yo. The, the, it's almost like wearing waist beads. You just put them in and they never come out. It's just supposed to stay there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like the way your waist ain't supposed to pop them beads. Listen, <laughs> your hair ain't supposed to grow no more. You you just stuck with that. You That's it. You going in the ground with those beads, okay? That's it. <laughs> no, when I saw her laying in the hospital bed, I was like, she probably had to get some sort of test done. Oh, no, definitely. Like, maybe... I don't know, MRI something, and they make you take all that stuff and then out. Was, they, didn't, they didn't even specify what kind of cancer she had, so mm -hmm. it was probably I'm like, brain they probably cancer. made you take. And I was like, who came over to her house to help her take those out? Because that looks tedious. Yeah. Did they just cut them out of her hair? What did they do? Listen, listen. Questions that need answers, Uncle Spike. <laughs> um, but yeah. I want to talk about their neighbor, man, Tony, uh, Tony Eyes, man. I got to say this. I felt bad for him the entire freaking film. The Me entire too. film. Me too. Like, he really didn't bother anybody. And Oh, but he did. Well, no, his dogs were a little, like, he had about a dozen of them, and they were just shitting all over the place. And, and, and it, it was smelled and yeah. things like that. But other than that, like just the whole like the homophobia, like they 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 would they would literally clown this dude in the streets. Like he, it was so mm -hmm. bad that he would never leave his house. Like that's honestly that's 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 messed up. That's messed he was up. yelling, "You killed my mother!" And I think that he was one of those guys who was really close to his mom mm -hmm. and possibly had some sort of mental breakdown. Yeah, after she passed. Yeah, yeah, and you know. We're just in the beginning stages of understanding like mental health and, you know, um, childhood playing a part. But he was a child in a man's body, you know, and those glasses were so like, doesn't it always feel like Spike Lee puts one person with those glasses mm -hmm. in all his movies? Because I know <laughs> that's does. not the first time I've seen that guy. I know it. It does. Right. And um I just, I, I, I just really felt so, 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 so bad for him. I really did. Um, and I mean, even at the time that this movie was made, I don't think that people felt any type of way for Tony Eyes. No. And if, and with this happening in the seventies, I really don't think people cared about what happened with Tony Eyes. And today, um, Tony I think that hero. people watch this movie and they're just like, people were really horrible to this, you know, to this gay guy. And I don't even know if it was confirmed that he was gay or not. No, 2021, Tony Eyes would be Lizzo. Okay, let's be real. Let's be freaking real. Tony Eyes would be Lizzo. He would have a following. He would have a cult. He would have support. There would be a, 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 a you know, march for bifocals. I don't think he would be Lizzo. I think he'd be more Tazon Day in 2007. Who? Tazon Day, the guy who did Chocolate Rain. <laughs> that's a fucking joke. It's like William Hung. Like, stop. Well, well, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I think he would be on TikTok doing singing videos live 
and he has followers because people like laughing. I don't think. I mean, honestly, I'm listen. I'm gonna be an asshole. I'm gonna say it. I think that Lizzo is low key like William Hung, and she just had a little bit more time to play around. But that's just me. I think more people are laughing and buying than you know supporting and buying. But that's okay. I, I really don't like that last song, and I don't want to get too deep into the no, Lizzo. No, I don't I, even want to talk about that. But what I'm saying is Lizzo was like number two to the grits conversation, y'all. Like you don't want to, you don't want to get Brandon started on Lizzo. You don't want to talk about the grits. You don't want to talk about gay nights and Monopoly with Brandon because oh, we're going to be here Monopoly. all day. We need we need like a Crooklyn Monopoly, man. They, they I know they make Crooklyn them. Monopoly. Hey, look at you! Look at the, look, the way your eyes just lit up right there, man. I, yes, man. Yeah. Crooklyn Monopoly. Like go to jail would be like go to Tony I's apartment, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Collect Con Edison money. <laughs> oh man, they they'd be electric company for real. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, I, I um okay, let's talk about um Clinton's horrible obsession with the Knicks like Spike, right? Um mm-hmm. I think Clinton was supposed to be Spike, I honestly I do. do. No, they he was. He was I was trying to figure out which which sibling represents Spike. Oh, that's definitely, definitely Spike. Definitely Spike. And um here's what I'm gonna say. I, I, the, the Knicks have been a joke for so long, so, so long that I had forgot that they even won the championship. In fact, I didn't know the year of the movie until Clinton reported that they just won the championship and I had to look it up. That's how I knew what year this was supposed to be, this movie, you know, because I, I just couldn't I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't put my finger on it. They won the last the last championship they won was 1973. That's when this this movie, you know, took place. Since that point, the Knicks have been the biggest laughing stock of any professional sport, including ping pong. <laughs> that team, those niggas, Spike Lee jokes. But you know who's a Knicks fan, though? Don't say it's you. No, I'm a Wizards fan. Because you see the hat I'm wearing. It's a Miami Heat hat. I don't play with Knicks people. I don't like Knicks people. But go ahead. Who's a Knicks fan? My dad. I haven't met him, and I don't need to anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I'm sorry, but, you know, hey. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like Nick people. I don't. My dad, he he grew up in Brooklyn, and I'll tell you what, he he was one of those people that was like, he, when he moved down here, he was one of us. And that's how I was with the Wizards because I growing up I was a Knicks fan, mm. but that's because my dad is a Knicks fan. You got saved, you got saved. Just imagine mm-hmm. sitting there like Spike Lee every year, wearing orange and blue, and not being able to. Not being able to win anything. Imagine it. Just just try to imagine it and explain that to me. I mean, like I said, I'm a Wizards fan. So, you know. But I mean, I, I really think that there were some similarities in 
Clinton and Spike Lee. Um, Cause I saw, I saw Clinton and I was just like, maybe that's supposed to be Spike. And then the glasses are supposed to tip us off to that or something. But for a few moments, I thought that it could have been Nate who was supposed to be Spike Lee, but I was just like, no, it's probably Clinton. <laughs> it's probably one of them. I, honestly, Clinton just looks so weird. Rest in peace. It's it's that's Spike Lee, and I like the. Fact he looks like okay. Clinton looks like a kid going through puberty. That's that's the best way I could put it. That's that's scary. I remember myself. That's an awkward puberty. stage. It's it really is. Listen, I feel like I'm in my awkward stage now. Like on <laughs> that that was awkward. Oh, and you know who else it was awkward for? It was awkward for Troy. Imagine going through puberty as the only girl in a house full of boys. I knew she was going to stuff. I knew it. I knew it. I knew she was going to stuff. Because she was, she was on the tiny side compared to the girls that she hung around with. And I don't know if it was just her being younger or if. She reminds me of my little one. She's so tiny. Tiny for her <laughs> age. And I, I just, like, I think about it, like, especially since watching this movie now, I'm like, oh, man, she's, I got to, I got to make sure, you know, I got to make sure that she, she knows, you know, her time's coming, you know? <laughs> and as little as Troy was, she didn't take no mess from nobody. That's, you know, but she learned that toughness being around all those boys. She had yeah, to. Yeah, because think about, think about when she was on the stoop with the older girl. Yeah. She and was, the main she was one. ready. She was ready to throw hands, even though she got her little butt beat up by Peanut. <laughs> peanut. There's always a Peanut, yo. Troy, Troy, you know, she wasn't backing down from those older girls. And then what did they do after arguing and threatening each other? They still played jump rope together. Yeah. But and I'm, here's my thing about that. And this was one of the only things I really did not like about Carolyn's character. Why would she send her to the store by herself she got five brothers why would you send her there by herself she's the one who wasn't doing anything it doesn't matter you wait for clinton wait for nate wait for wendell wait for joseph or whoever maybe when we were growing up but this is the 70s mm -mm. people weren't scared like that to send their kids to the store it's not about being scared you have five kids you can do the buddy system it's not about being scared now the buddy system yes true i agree with it but I mean, in the seventies, and the store might not have been, but around the corner, like you could send her by herself. But but obviously she doesn't do it often because the store owner didn't even know her. Fair point. If you're doing that a lot, like my 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 dad used to send me to get lotto tickets three times a week, and I would go there and I would take all those lotto tickets, and I was only thirteen. And I would be able to buy all the lotto tickets because, you know, my dad had a good rapport with um, with with the store owner. And the store owner knew me because I was always buying Star Crunch, Zebra Cakes, Winter Fresh, Jungle Juice, Hot Sausage, Krispy Kremes. He knew me, right? Mm -hmm. It looked like she ain't never been to that store before. Yeah, I mean, but that's a grocery store. So maybe she's not the one making the transactions and things like that. Yeah. That so could be. yeah, I mean, grocery stores is a little bit different, but like that corner store, I know that that guy in the corner store knew her. Mm. Yeah, the the black one, the Jamaican guy. I think he was Jamaican or something. You talking about the one where she she uh, when she got jumped in and he like came in. It's like and the protected two Hispanic her. guys. No, no, I don't think the Hispanic guys knew her. I think that they did because it's the store right across the street from her house. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think I think they knew Minnie, the little uh, Spanish girl with the pigtails, the ones that we'll get into this. I think I think they might have known her on a more personal level mm-hmm. through her mom. Right. But I think that like they would recognize Troy too, because be. it seems like she's comfortable enough going in there like that. Yeah. Yeah. Could but you... yeah, we're gonna touch on that scene with Minnie in the store because. Well, ooh. let's let's start. Let's. I'm gonna let you introduce Minnie's character and what you felt about Minnie's introduction. <sighs> it it gives me more of an idea of whoever created the character's possible perception of little girls like this. Minnie is this Hispanic girl, long uh, pigtails with the looser curl texture than everyone else. And we know how kids like Minnie are fetishized. And I felt like in that scene, the first scene with uh, the girls on the stoop, we get a glimpse into that because the one girl is in her hair saying, oh, she's got pretty hair. And then I guess her older sister says she got Puerto Rican hair, meaning she has Puerto Rican hair. Like I said, loose curl, wavy, whatever. Um... And then the scene in the store with the girls trying to shoplift. There is a ton of pretty privilege there. And let me just backtrack real quick. When they were on the stoop, the one girl said about Minnie that Minnie thinks she's all that. And nothing that Minnie said or did up to that point led me to think that Minnie felt that way about herself. I just felt she was existing and that was the perception people had about her and hate to say it. I hate to say it, but growing up, this is what I saw a lot of any girl who had any traditionally pretty um, features or something like that. People would say that they think they're all that. And yes, these people might um, not might, These people uh, benefit from pretty privilege or whatever, but nine times out of 10, they're not asking for the attention. And to see this little girl dealing with this, it was just hmm, interesting. So when they're in the store and they're trying to shoplift, uh, after the cringe part where the guy is insisting that Minnie gives him a kiss, we um, we see Troy get caught for shoplifting right this store owner sees both of the little girls go into the store he sees one girl shoplift one girl that he catches and he says something to her Minnie does not go to the cash register to pay for what she got but the the store owner never thinks hmm they came in together this one is shoplifting the other one might be shoplifting too And on top of that, she never came to the cash register. So she might be shoplifting. And Minnie is able to go outside. Minnie is able to go outside with the popsicle, pull the popsicle out. And, you know, Troy got caught. And I'm like, so this store owner is not even going to think to check Minnie? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, that's some pretty privilege. And then you have the conversation from... The girls. Minnie to Troy mm. and she tells Troy to steal something easier. It's not about what Troy uh, 
decided to steal. First of all, Troy was stealing something from the front of the store, right in front of the owner. That's neither here nor there. She was stupid about it. Yeah. But the other part is that you didn't get caught because no one thought to uh, to check you. Right. And why is that? Nine times out of ten, pretty privilege. But let's 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 back this up because when Minnie was introduced to the film, it was in the midst of an argument with a bunch of other little girls. Some of them looked older, maybe like 12, 13, 14, and they assigned her that pretty privilege. So at what point did she become the cunning thief? That she was, you know, kind of groomed to be. Is it was it in many all along, or did they just assign so much pretty privilege to her that she felt like she could just do it and not get in trouble? I don't think that she recognized it because even even in twenty twenty one, people don't recognize that they have pretty privilege. So I don't think that she necessarily knew, but I think that she knew enough that no one would say anything to her. And I think she was kind of oblivious, too, because, like I said, she told Troy what to do in order to get away with it. Not thinking about the fact that more than likely Troy's still going to get be caught. caught. Get caught because she doesn't look like her. Mm hmm. Huh. That's always a, a touchy subject, especially when you blend it with colorism and with uh, exoticism. Is that a word? We'll use it. I was just saying, you know, the same thing in regard to kids who look like many mm -hmm. people have fetishes about these kids and not, I don't mean it in a way that like people are uh, pedophiles and they're trying to touch kids who look like this, but people want to have kids that look like her. Mm. So they want to get with somebody maybe of another race so that they can have kids who look like her. It's weird. And to me, it's just I've heard it. Disgusting. I've heard it. I've heard it when when dudes have like different color eyes and then, you know, women want to, you know, sleep exactly. with them just to have babies with those color eyes or, or the certain hair, hair texture. Yeah, it's it's, it's disgusting it's to me. It's 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 really creepy. It's like men to leave Peapod Pornhub type stuff. And, and, you know, even from the first time I saw this movie, before I knew about appreciating your natural hair and all of that, I it was something about the scene with the girls on the stoop and um, the, ooh, she got Puerto Rican hair. Something <laughs> about that I did not like for a very long, because I'm just I like- I like any of it. Because I was just like, well, what makes her hair better than everybody else's hair? Other than that one girl, her hair was standing on top of her head like Topsy, but- yeah, that shit was nasty. But what I'm saying, <laughs> that was nasty. But I think, like, because let's, you know, even even Troy's character, like, she was exposed to these commercials where they were talking about the black African goddess, Afro yes. Sheen commercials, and seeing this in their glory, in their natural state, glistening, you know, shimmering almost. That was real then. Even then, I thought it was more like something that happened and, you know, started happening in the 90s, but it was happening in the 70s, too. And we we have been we we've been championing black is beautiful. We have. But a lot of people still want to assign this, especially, you know, we're, we're about 20 years, you know, before 
you shouldn't get a job unless your hair is permed. We're still uh-huh. before that. Okay. Right now in the, you know, 70s, 73, you're in the, you're in the thick of, you know, black is beautiful, afros, uh, uh, dark, burnt skin. Like that is still the ideal. Someone like me would be ran off the block. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would be ran off the block, yo. Like, like even, even the siblings referred to Nate as red, red. Mm. Yeah, and he hated that. Mm-hmm. He hated that. He hated that. Yeah, and you know, some of these things they just slipped under the radar as far as um the name calling and stuff and the elevating um one type of person over the other. And to a degree, it's kid teasing, but as you become an adult, you realize how detrimental these things can be to other people at times. Yeah. I mean, you would think that being called red, I don't know how popular um, that nickname for Malcolm X was, but I mean, that would be the first thing I think about. And, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world in 1973 to be, you know, nicknamed after him. But I mean, I don't know. But I mean, it's it's a nickname that came from some people have the nickname because of the hair color. Other people have the nickname because of the color of their skin. I don't know how he got there. I'm just going to say that. You don't know how who got there? Red. You know how people say red bone too, Brandon? It's the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. All right. Hey, listen, I, I'm not here to argue that we, we got something we're going to argue soon, but I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, I want to hit one other topic real quick, real quick. And that's seeing right. your parents flaws and being aware of them. Yes. I feel like the kids this particular summer, I think that Troy's eyes were opened. Oh yeah. To the fact that her parents have flaws. I think Clinton already saw it, which is probably why he talked to his parents the way that he did. But I think this particular summer opened up maybe Troy and Nate's eyes to this, but we don't get to see too much into what's going on in Nate's mind. But for Troy, we can already see in many scenes that she's just watching and soaking up the world and, you know, soaking up different experiences. You can see it in her face and how she's looking at people during different interactions. And I definitely think that she started to see like my parents, they're not the superheroes that I thought that they were. You know what? I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Um, That's exactly what I I gathered from her too. But I do still like, I, I love the fact that she turned back into a little girl when her dad was talking about taking her mom out, she was like, please, dad, just take her out. Right. You know, like, give her the rose. Like, I'll make sure I give it to her. Like, I loved seeing their relationship, that father-daughter relationship, because it was unique. Yeah. And you could tell that she really, like, and I feel this to my heart. You know this. Like, I, there is something special about that bond. And I love the fact that Woody he coveted that relationship and he even leveraged it to be able to be let back in 
And he knew he could because there's just a softness with your daughter giving a message for you, you know? Um, and you know, you know what the powerful thing is? And at first I thought I was going to be angry about it, but even when she gave her mom the flowers and, and the note and the mom seemingly rejected it, I think that she had to see that too. Because uh -huh. honestly, I don't think a little girl should accept just any flower, just any note from any little boy saying what his intentions are. Sometimes you really need to be like, you need, you need a vetting process as a woman. Right. You need, you need to be able to say like, oh, this wasn't enough for me. I need something. I need a grand gesture. Anyone can give me a flower. Anyone can give me a note. I need something bigger. And I think that Troy needed to see that. And I think that that was a very profound moment for her. I do. Yeah. Agree. Um, geez, we've covered quite a bit, but we need to talk about this one scene in the movie, Brandon. Which uh, scene is, is this? This is the scene where they are eating dinner. Huh. Yeah, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the scene where the family's sitting around eating dinner and everyone else has cleared their plates except for Nate. Mm -hmm. um, and then the dad comes in with some ice cream and pound cake. And Damn, he, I love pound cake. He shares it out to all the kids. They're sitting around um, and he gives... Joe a piece and the dog comes by and he eats Joe's piece and trying to be a nice dad he gives Joe Nate's piece <clears throat> because Nate's still eating the black eyed peas um, Nate said half so then he uh, I'm sorry yeah he said no that's my piece dad and then he breaks it in half Nate says half but it is what it is right mm-hmm Everybody else, his brothers are being so obnoxious. And <laughs> they're, they're smacking it, especially Wendell. <clears throat> Wendell's always I mean, notoriously smacking his lips while he eats, and he's just he's like, like going extra. This is so good. Scrum delicious. <laughs> See, this is why I couldn't be in a big family, man, because that type of shit, man, I, I would have been fighting my was whole like, life. Those, those were fighting words. Those were fighting words. Me and my sister were so good at teasing each other during stuff like that. And like, cause like she would like a lot of the nasty shit that we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. She loved, she was the reason why grits was even cooked in my house or runny scrambled eggs. Oh, I hated I that shit. Like it, it, it like it, I think that's part of the reason why we don't get along to this day. Like I just hated watching her eat it. And then her mouth, like she would just like, like loudly and obnoxiously. And who's older in this situation? Me. Oh Lord. But she would do it because she knew, she knew what that shit meant to me. Watching her fucking eat this shit. Like I would have my, I would have to have my breakfast cooked in a different kitchen, because I couldn't, I couldn't be anywhere where someone in a would make grits. I, go next door and make it. I couldn't be anywhere where someone would eat grits. You're not gonna put anything. You're not gonna use the same utensils, the same pots, nothing. That is the grit pot. Don't put anything that you're going to give me in that pot don't so so uh, this, <laughs> this 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 scene for you 
did it did it dredge up some old feelings or some current feelings only in the part where they were openly teasing him and then the part where uh he he got so sick from the uh the black eyed peas that he threw up i literally lived through a situation where i watched my older cousin he was eating damn what was he eating i really forget what he was eating but we were all at my granddad's house for sunday dinner and he really didn't want it he said he didn't want it my granddad gave the infamous line well you gonna sit there till you eat it and he sat there for a long time i mean we went we already went back in the room we was playing nintendo and i came back out to check on him because he's my favorite cousin and whatever and i was like yo hey are you still sitting there man he's like i'm not eating this man i'm not eating it he said so my granddad was like yo you gonna eat this so he tried to put one more fork full in his mouth. His hand was trembling, dog. He was like, <laughs> and he put it in his mouth and then he threw up on the plate. And my granddad stood over him and said, you gonna eat that. That is traumatizing. You gonna eat that. It was traumatizing for me too. Cause I sat there and I was like, no. <laughs> and he had to scoop that shit up. And I that's was like, terrible. Yo, that's that, this is what we talking about. And so, you know, I think it was like that same year, maybe the next year, I made the mistake of waking up early because I heard someone in the kitchen. Like we were, um, we were out, we were away on vacation. It was like a family vacation. It was like a reunion or whatever. I come downstairs and my granddad's cooking and I love my granddad's food. Don't get me twisted. I love his food, but he was making grits. I asked for orange juice. He gave me the orange juice and a bowl of grits. I said, wait, hold on. Granddad, um, I don't, I don't eat grits. Yeah, but you will. Oh, wait, no, but no, seriously. I, I don't like mom, mommy and daddy. No, I don't eat this. I don't eat this. Well, you're going to sit there until you eat it because I already fixed it for you. Okay, bet. I was there for five, six hours, five, six hours. And he's like, yo, you're going to eat this. You're not getting up. And by that time, my fork had literally, it literally was stuck because it, it solidified. It was like a popsicle. It was like, go ahead and eat it. <laughs> you, got, you had a gritsicle. Yeah. And I had to pull it up and it looked like the, it was the shape of the bowl. It was like a, just a contour. And he's like, you're going to eat it. And I like, I did one of those, you know, when you try to like, like lick the like littlest part of it and you try to smell it. I was disgusted and I still did not eat it. I held on strong. I was a G about mine. I put that shit down. Eventually someone saved me. Eventually. So I I just can't. There's, some, there's certain things. There's certain things like when it comes to that shit. And this is why I'm glad, you know, as millennials, we don't do this shit to our kids. I don't think. No. And, you know, like, I don't see us doing it for more reasons than just honoring your child's autonomy. But a lot of us want to do organic food with our kids. Yeah. And the kids of millennials also are very bougie. Yeah. <laughs> At least I think so. Um, kids of millennials are very bougie and we're spending a lot of money on this food. So if our kids don't like something. Mm hmm. I'm not about to put it in front of my child who I know doesn't like this thing and then force them to eat it. 
Right. Like that doesn't make any sense to me because I know at the end of the day, the food's going to be wasted. And it's traumatizing as hell. Exactly. Exactly. Because before that scene, we saw her serve him black eyed peas before and he didn't want them then. He didn't want the black eyed peas then. And then that serving that he had on his plate, yeah. it was a generous serving. It was, of black it eyed was, peas. yo, I would, as a grown man, that's the type of peas I should be eating right there. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, okay, if your kid doesn't like anything and you want them to try new things or at least try it to see if they change their mind about it, put a little bit yeah. on their plate for them to taste or to have the option to taste it. Right. I do that with my kids. Like, I can't even think of something that my kids don't like because they eat everything. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like if it's something that I don't know if they'll like it or if they've told me that they didn't like it before, you're still going to get a little bit of it because this is what I cooked. And I want you to at least have the option to try it if you change your mind. And no harm, no foul if you decide to change your mind and say, you know, before I said I didn't like this, but I like it now after trying it this time. Right. So always give them a chance to change their mind. So if she if she did something like that, fine. But that was a big ass serving of black eyed peas for a kid that you know doesn't like black eyed peas. That was a river of black eyed peas. <laughs> My goodness. And mind you, I know the going joke on our page and on in our group and in our group te- uh, chat and everything is that I hate and detest all of soul food, right? I'm gonna let you sit there and, and get your little jokes off before I explain myself. I don't have too much to say. My only issue with you not liking grits and you not liking certain soul food is that you villainize the people who enjoy the delicacies. And I'm gonna tell you guys as extra witnesses that I assigned Brandon to watch High on the Hog almost a month ago. Do you guys know that this Negro has still not watched High on the Hog? Because, you know, I don't care if if you don't like it, but we're not going to talk bad about black food like this. And I feel that even though Brandon doesn't like grits and he has every right to not like grits, especially after something traumatizing like what he just shared with us, you don't have to like grits, but at least appreciate the history of grits and how they play a role in our food history and things like that. That's all I'm saying, Brandon. You don't you don't have to eat the grits, but appreciate what grits mean to black Americans. Let's 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 talk about what grits mean to the to the uh colonizers that gave it to y'all. Because y'all y'all we're gonna have this conversation. We're gonna have this conversation for real, okay? Grits is fucking gr- Grits are ground corn kernels. That's what it is. Wait, what? Gra- ground corn kernels. So imagine, you know, when you make popcorn and the little kernels. No, 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 no. That's not what grits is. No, no. That is what grits is. That's exactly what grits is. Stop. Stop it. I'm looking this up. This is bullshit. Hold on. What the fuck are grits? <laughs> They're made from dent corn, which is a softer and starchier kernel than other corn varieties. I had no idea that they were corn. Which is why I said you should 
you should take me up on my suggestion to watch High on the Hog. I'm not watching High on the Hog just yet. I'll watch it. But you know the funny thing about corn? Mm-hmm. When it shows up in your toilet bowl, does it show up whole as a corn? Oh, gosh, this is so gross. Imagine what the fuck grits does. They say it sticks to your ribs. And it's made of this stuff. And you put sugar in it. I don't put sugar. Stop telling people that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we have a mutual friend named Al. And Al oh, you're going to put my dog Al out like that? I'm, I'm going to put Al out there because Al actually says that he eats his grits with sugar. Stop putting it on me. Do you think he wants the government to know that shit? They're going to raid his house. <laughs> Maybe not. Al doesn't want anybody to know his, his government names. <laughs> Yo, they're gonna kick this nigga's door in, <laughs> and they're gonna but they're gonna Al, throw a straight jacket on him, yo. But Al, in, I'm just gonna give you his last initial, guys. No, what Al, the fuck you? you Al is. <laughs> He's the one who said that he puts sugar in his grits. I never said that because I would never eat sugar in my grits there, it, my my friend from college got me to try it one time and i said it was nasty and i never tried it again there's this haitian nurse at my job and she is built like a goddamn bison all right she in is, a good way right well no not in a good way oh, and Lord. like literally, i shouldn't have asked i nah, shouldn't have asked <laughs> literally she's been like, and um but I'll tell you what, that woman, she gets, if she don't get nothing else, she gets herself some grits every morning. And she puts pepper flakes in it and butter. And every day I come into work and I see her eating that shit and I just look at her with disgust. Because there is nothing worse Nothing worse than eating. The only thing worse than eating grits is eating decorated grits. You tripping, tripping. No, no, no. You tripping, tripping. You. No, you. No. I think grits caused COVID. Some... Yes. Yeah, huh? What? What do you mean? Uh, yeah, that. Oh, man. I think I'm too that, sober okay, for this conversation, Brandon. You are too sober for it because I did the research. <laughs> I didn't know it was made out of corn kernels. But I do know that, it, you know, it, there is a supporting factor that, you know, you eat that shit. You may have. You may no, have. No, I eat that and I'm full. I am good for the rest do you of the know morning. Why, why would you be full off I of grits, it. though, is what I'm saying. That's how nasty it is. It expands in your belly and it stays there. You probably don't even have to eat lunch most times. You probably just straight until dinner. No, that's not true. That's not true. Mm. Um, I'm going to eat. So... Yo, man. I have some grits for breakfast. I will have um, a regular lunch and a regular dinner. But, ooh, when I'm down in Florida, and I could totally do this in Maryland, but I like going to the one in Florida for some reason. I like going to First Watch and getting some cheese grits. Uh, and I like First Watch. Don't, man. I would tell them, man, I would tell them that I'm allergic to grits just so they can't fix that shit for you. 
and be like, um, I don't care if he has an allergic <laughs> reaction. I'm totally kidding, guys. In real life, yeah, I but care no, about in people's real life, food allergies. I, I'm going I'm to let everybody know. In real life, if you ever go to hibachi with me, I am that guy that says I am allergic to mushrooms, so no one at this table can have mushrooms. That's me. If I'm allergic, no, no one's having mushrooms on this shit, and you just. But in real life, it. I I care a whole lot about people's food allergies, and I would never do anything like that. So. You a damn lie, because you going you would sit no. there and smack some grits in your face, knowing. Damn One of lie. my friend, no, there was tragedy that happened when I was a teenager. One of my friends passed from a food allergy, like peanut or something. Fish. Ooh. Yeah, so I don't play damn, about people's food allergies at all. Huh? That's a bad one to be allergic to. How they sneak fishing on that person? Oh man, I don't know, but it was it was really sad. And one of my best friends from my childhood is also allergic to fish. So if we go anywhere, I'm conscious to not get fish. Except the last time we went out, I did get fish. It was enough space. And oh, they're and that sensitive to it. Yes, yes. He came to a Super Bowl party at my parents' house, and um. Something had touched fish, made him really sick. So. See, that's how I feel about grits, yo. That's exactly how oh, I feel about Lord. grits. Like, even when people, like, honestly, like, my daughter said one time that her mom fixed her grits, and automatically, like, it was just like a, a reflex. I almost spanked her. I was just so disgusted by that, that a whole, you know, that a whole, that whole conversation. I was like, how, how dare you let your mom feed you this? I would never. You're now, ridiculous. Now, mind you. It's because I have a deep-rooted story about grits where they tried to literally... they Twice. I have literally had to sit there twice for more than four hours each time and stare at a bowl of grits hardening. So I have a long-standing, you know, psychological traumatic issue with grits. But this probably explains so much for our listeners and people who have heard you talk about grits before. Mm -hmm. This explains a lot. No, and definitely because honestly like it's it's not that it's not that i won't even taste them to know that i don't like them i just the the whole it takes you back to that place it it definitely takes me i'm i'm that little 5 year old sitting there alone and here's the thing my granddad enforced that that imprisonment on me so when my mom came into the picture i'm like mom He's trying to make me eat this. And my mom looked at me and was like, you, you're just going to have to eat that then. And that's and when I realized. Dad? Yeah, that's when I realized my mom has a dad. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, you, you're you supposed to be on my side. What's going on? <laughs> She's like, you, you, you're going to have to eat this. Like, we've, we've all been there. Like, he's done this to all of us. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> We're all damaged. <laughs> And I had to stand there and I had to be the sole, you know, person. I get made fun of every Thanksgiving for all the shit I won't eat. I get made fun of every Sunday dinner, every so, breakfast. I have a question. Is this also why you don't like mac and cheese? Oh, you're going to go there. I'm, um, I'm asking. I'm not even trying <laughs> to be funny. Uh, the reason I don't like mac and cheese is that, okay, one thing about grits, at least grits there's not way too much variation, right? Macaroni and cheese is literally, you're at the mercy of whoever understands what macaroni and cheese is. You could literally mm -hmm. put it in like one of those cake bags and squirt it on your plate like icing, like they do at Boston Market. 
It could be oh. mad runny and cheese juice all over it. It could be mad dry, bouncy, and ugly with breadcrumbs on it. It could be burnt to shit on the top and then gooey under. There's just too many. And I'm not really, I don't care for cheese that much. It's just oh, too man. much freaking cheese. Like, I remember one time I went to, I, I slept over a friend's house and his mom, damn, his mom was so fine. His mom was like, hey, yo, you know, we got macaroni and cheese. And he was so excited. So excited. And I was just like, damn, your mom was fine five minutes ago, man. I don't know about this. And she gave me a big ass bowl of this macaroni and cheese and it was runny as fuck. And I was she like, probably thought like she was saying something. And she, she she thought she was like, you know, sliding me to draws or something. I don't know. But I was like, yo, um, do you by any chance have like um I don't know, uh a trash bag? <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, I was gonna attempt to eat this. So I asked her for spaghetti sauce. On some mac and cheese? I had to do something. You I sound like my something. relatives who put ketchup on the top of theirs, which I thought was they weird do too. what? Let me tell you, I got some relatives. Where, where do they live? Where, where do they live? They say they're from New York. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know for sure. <laughs> no, you, you're really, honestly, everything I think about New York is just coming out of but this But I, I mean, I, I love, love, love these relatives. That's why I don't want to put them out there like that. But I imagine if my sister happens to listen to this, she knows exactly which relatives I'm oh, talking about. Man. And she's going to send me a text and it's like, you're terrible. Oh, man. Because, no, no, no. These are, this is like a, these are relatives. I don't even want to say what they are to me because I don't want to give it away like that. Oh, it's a way. These, these are relatives that are pretty close and we love them. We love them, love them. You got to love the, the you got to love, you got to love some people more than others. But respectfully, don't bring nothing to a potluck at my parents' house. That's the only place I'll do a potluck, by the way. Oh, I yeah. don't People do potlucks. People are nasty at potlucks, yo. People are nasty Man. fuck at potlucks. And you want to talk about variety of mac and cheese? Let's, exactly. let's be at a potluck. Let's be at a potluck. And you see that. This white, this white lady. We had a potluck for, I want to say Mother's Day at work. And she said she wrote down she was she was bringing the mac and cheese, Mm-mm. and people were so excited. They were like, "Oh, oh yeah, I can't wait for a mac and cheese." We show up because me, call me cheap, call me what I bring the Hawaiian bread and I'm out. You know, I try to like keep it simple, stupid, right? Me too. She literally unveiled this macaroni and cheese. I wasn't gonna touch it anyways because you know she got dogs and stuff. She, you know, she unveiled, like she took the, the aluminum foil off and it was macaroni, cheese, zucchini, bread crumb, and the sour cream. I don't know if she used sour cream or if it was cottage Ricotta. cheese. No, she used cottage cheese, I believe. And they were so like, they were like clusters of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my ex used to put ricotta in his mac and cheese and I actually like the way that tastes, but Mm-mm. listen. Some cottage cheese, you know. Listen, I took a picture of it with my phone and literally, literally my phone started slowing down. So I knew there was something wrong with this whole situation. 
This whole thing. There's just too many variations to mac and cheese to ever trust anybody. The only the only mac and cheese that I like is during Thanksgiving. We literally assign someone from my family to make the mac and cheese and they do mm-hmm. it in a way where I can get at least two spoonfuls and be I right. Yeah. Just because I want to look like I have a full plate like everybody else. But everything that they were eating in Crooklyn, the string beans, the black eyed peas, the mashed potatoes. I don't I didn't even that see any meat. The rice looked perfect. The rice looked good, but I didn't see no meat though. Did you? I think it was I think it was supposed to be fried chicken. I don't remember seeing I don't it remember seeing any meat. It was a whole lot of starch. <laughs> it was a whole lot of starch, yo. Mm-mm. Um I just think about okay, so I know that you didn't eat a whole lot of stuff growing up, but was there one particular meal besides grits? If your parents made it, you would have been sitting at the table. Um, for a long time it was meatloaf. Really? I wasn't into the meatloaf. Um because and you know, I shout out to my dad. He was a great cook. Um, he wouldn't do the stupid ketchup on the top bullshit. He did gravy. He did gravy. Um, and he like, he had to explain it to me many, many times. It's just like the hamburgers I make, Brandon. It's just like a loaf of it, you know? And I'm like, nah, Uh man, nah, this is wrong. This is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually I liked it. Um, scrambled eggs. I didn't, I didn't get into until I was an adult until like I was in my mid Uh twenties and I love scrambled eggs now. But before that point, you would not get me to eat that. You wouldn't get me to eat mashed potatoes. You wouldn't get me to eat um, mashed potatoes. I, I, well, I feel I had like think, that's a kid's safe food. No, but I, I was I was really big on like texture. Like you have to understand, like I was I had like all my teeth before I was one. So I was eating like crazy shit. Like I was eating real stuff before I was one. And I just wasn't really into mushy food. Especially when grits started really like popping up, I was like, "Yo, this is some bullshit." I even heard that they used to feed me corned beef and hash, and as an adult, I would never touch that shit. It looks like dog food. And I see that same that same woman, that same woman that eats the grits at work. She gets mm-hmm. she gets a scoop of corn corn beef hash. That tastes really good with grits. Really good with grits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I don't expect her to live long, so it doesn't even matter. But I'm so sorry that they bullied you with bully beef. That that's terrible. No, 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 I never fucked with bully beef. I I just started hearing about that from these Jamaicans, yo. That shit looks like trash. It's the same thing, Brandon. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then it's trash. It's trash. You 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 feed that shit to cats. Nah, I like. <laughs> give me some bully beef and some grits. Why? You see, here's like, the thing. Bully beef, like that sounds so appetizing. You'll never see that in a five star restaurant. Why would I eat it then? It's like asking for well, bologna. Well, in a five-star restaurant, it's probably called corned beef. No, and you're not it doesn't that come anymore. out of a can. Where does it come from? It's like a cut of meat. I make my pot roast. Well, when I ate beef, I would make my pot roast with corned beef. And it was delicious. Shepherd's Just like pot. my mac and cheese is delicious. And my grits. Right. You just like it's not possible for grits to ever taste good. It's not possible for grits to be for anything more than slaves. No, it's not. Anyway, it's I'm, not not. Gonna, I'm not even going to address comments like that until you watch High on the Hog. I'm, I'm going to watch High. Uh, okay, listen, I will watch High on the Hog 
And I can, almost, I can almost promise you it will not change shit about the way I feel about grits or the people that eat them. Because I look down on people that eat them. Yes, I but do. I, I think it will. I absolutely think it will. Um, but for me, growing up, um, the one dish that had me sitting at the table, my mom would do liver and onions. Oh, hell with, no. With rice and peas. And no. I don't mean Jamaican rice and peas. I mean white rice. <laughs> rice and, and peas. <laughs> rice and peas. No. But my mom does make some good rice and peas. But this is not what I'm talking about with the sliver and onions. She made white rice and sweet peas. And then put the little onion gravy on top of my rice. And I love my mom's onion gravy. But liver to me just tastes disgusting. And I don't even want to describe to our listeners what it tastes like to me. Go ahead. Eating. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, what, it's what body disgusting. part? What body part? Tell me. It's not even necessarily a body part. It's <laughs> like the, the taste of the liver. It tastes like what something else smells like. And I like I said, I'm not chitlins? going to. No, not ch- uh, I've never. I've never been in a room where chitlins were being made. Oh, um, thank, thank God. Thank oh. God. You've never neither had side, neither, neither side of my family ate pork growing up. Okay, let One, me ask you why not. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's let's explore this. Why has none of no sides of your family eaten pork? One side is Seventh-day Adventist and the other side is Muslim. So what does it mean? Seventh-day Adventists don't eat pork and neither do Muslims. But I'm I'm asking why. Why not? Yeah. Oh, because pigs are unclean. So are grits, but go ahead. Okay. You understand. Grits, grits, no, grits come from the ground. Grits come from the ground, not an animal. So do mushrooms, and they come from shit. Oh, man. I mean, I'm there with you on mushrooms. I don't I don't eat it. Ever since somebody told me that mushrooms are fungus, I could not. Neither can I. Bring my, I cannot bring myself to eat them anymore. Neither could I. Neither could and, I. And sometimes if I order something and mushrooms are in it and I don't pick all of them out, I'm like, mushrooms aren't actually that bad. But am I going to pick them out if they were made in the gravy that that whole that whole plate is trash? Um, Okay, so one of the last times I was down there, um, we had gone to Louis Bossi Mm -hmm. and Las Olas and (sighs) why you roll your eyes at me? Because like every fucking episode you gotta uh, when i was down there at this five-star restaurant in your town it's, it's eating eating star, bullshit go ahead no, just go ahead uh, <laughs> so i had ordered some some random chicken i don't even remember what it was it wasn't as memorable as me eating off of uh my guy's plate and he had some uh what was it rigatoni noodles and it had eggplant and mushrooms. Eggplant is another thing that I don't eat. Nope. 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 But when I tell you the sauce, and the sauce was flavored with the eggplant and the mushroom, but those noodles and that sauce were so good. I ended up switching leftovers with him the next day. And I ate the rest of his noodles, and he ate, like, whatever it was I had in the refrigerator. Then he had the better plate. No. Actually, I don't think that my leftovers that were in the fridge were from that place. I think it was from earlier in the day. But anyway, I finished his leftovers because they were good. 
Listen, man, more power to you, man. All I know is I'm trying to break the shackles. I got people. I got people that I love a lot. And I'm tired of losing people to shit like, you know, soul food and grits and shit like that. Like, you don't need to die for the food that you eat. You don't. And I love black American cuisine. And I feel like it not only ties us to each other, those of us who are here now, but it also ties us to our ancestors. So I'm going to keep cooking things like grits because they're delicious. And my grits are good. I make Gouda grits. Delicious. I don't even want to know what the fuck those are, yo. Well, you also said that you don't like cheese like that. So I imagine you don't know what Gouda grits? grits are. Huh? These are cheese grits? Yeah, Gouda grits. They don't That's even Gouda... sound, that does not sound appetizing at all. I'm just going to let you know. Gouda cheese is amazing. It's amazing, especially when it's smoked Gouda. But I'm I'm also a person who really, really enjoys cheese. And I'm with someone who also really, really appreciates cheese. Like he has a cheese drawer in his fridge. And when I go there, every cheese that I can think of is in this drawer. Cheddar, Kobe Jack, Pepper Jack, Asiago, mozzarella, feta, Gruyere, Gouda, smoked Gouda deliciousness and it's just there waiting for me you know who else likes cheese like that steve urkel and myra Monkhouse. i was gonna say rats rats new york rats filthy crooklyn rats filthy crooklyn rats okay that it, it with bald spots in their fur <laughs> long whiskers dark teeth you know that's, See, that's I, haven't, I haven't told you today that you get on my nerves so i'll just go ahead and tell you right now that you get on my nerves <laughs> i mean i'll take it i'll take it man like honestly like it's just wild watching people like really like gourmet the bullshit like gourmet the bullshit. <laughs> yeah and, like my gouda and, grits and, huh gouda grits it's like the funny thing is that like, you'll look down on chitlins and live on onions and then you'll sit there and eat grits but hey Cause nothing's wrong with grits. Nothing is wrong with grits. It's not that things are wrong with grits. It's it's the people that prepare them and eat them. There's something wrong with them though. Like if you if you type in mugshots from people that eat grits, you'll see some of the most gruesome shit you've ever seen. And I googled it. It was like six o'clock in the morning after the movie. I had to look this up. You'll see like straight meth heads and shit like that. Like, and I don't want that shit for you. I don't oh want you to go down gosh. that route. I like your teeth. You have nice teeth. I don't want you to like fucking lose them shits in your 30s. But you know what I think about when I'm cooking my grits? Whenever I make grits, it takes me back to living in my parents' house and our Sunday morning breakfast. You're no longer living in the struggle, man. You're a, you're an adult. I wasn't living in the struggle at my parents' house. Then they shouldn't have been making some What are you grits. saying? You should have had scrambled eggs, pancakes, bacon, have... sausage. Biscuit. We had all of that. My dad's pancakes are amazing. And my mom's grits went really well with them. And that's how I learned how to make my grits. And every time I make grits, it takes me back to that. Being 16 and having brunch at the table and my dad's friend accidentally crashing our brunch every week. It's things like this. It's memories like this. And I feel like food can take us there. And 
listen, I don't even think Chris Knowings, who was only playing Nate, wants to ever look at Black Eyed Peas again. Because who knows not. how many times, who knows how many times he had, he had to, to like do that. Yes. <laughs> and actually, like years ago, I tweeted something like that and he responded and he was like, nope. I said, I bet he doesn't eat Black Eyed Peas. Oh, that's crazy. And he said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. And that's exactly how it is. So hopefully we can put the grits conversation to rest, especially with people understanding why you don't eat grits. Like that's totally understandable, but somehow I feel like it's not going to be put to rest. I think it's going to pop back up in another episode. Hopefully I'm gonna not. Try not. I'm going to try not. I, I just, I, I honestly don't like thinking about them, talking about them. So hopefully, hopefully this is dead, but you know, I just really, and, and you know, the listeners might have something to say, so what we started doing now, guys, when you are on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, um, you will see a link to leave us a voice message based off of our previous episodes. Um, and I believe it starts with the Waiting to Exhale episode that went up right before this. So if you look at the episode description, you should see the link. And if you don't see the link, it's anchor.fm forward slash GLS pod forward slash message. Yeah. And, you know, listen, if you want to debate me on this, on this shit, if you want to leave me a voice message about how much you love grits and how much you're an upstanding citizen, I won't believe you. But, you know, you could do that. It's cool. Um, I won't I won't hold it against you. I won't revoke your membership to this podcast. You can still enjoy, you know, many episodes where I don't have to bash you or people like you or people that eat that shit. But, you know, everyone has an opinion. So share yours and it might end up in a future episode of Green Leather Sofa. But keep it on the movie, man. Don't don't talk about no fucking grits to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Until next time. Till next time. All right, couch potatoes, that's the end of our episode. Join us next time when we warn something else. Until then, later.